Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. Um, we want to uh, really thank the people at Anchor and encourage you if you are starting your own podcast or currently using uh, another platform in your podcast to uh, try Anchor. Anchor is a terrific platform. We're very, very pleased with their performance and their technology as well as uh, their support. So uh, give it a try. Anchor is a great, great uh, technology and platform, and we're pleased that uh, they are uh, one of our great uh, partners at Blood Time. Thanks for listening, and uh, continue to support us as we will support you with great stories. Thank you. Hey, guys, I want to thank Affinity Hole Health and the owner, Brian Zide. He uh, started this company to get you feeling like you were in your prime. You can reach this company at feelgreatcleveland.com, uh, founded obviously by a former wrestler athlete and his partner, who's also a former wrestler and athlete. The whole goal for this is to get you feeling like you're in, in your prime, but also uh, helps you with muscle definition and strength, increased libido, increased energy and drive, increased mental acuity, obviously increases your confidence if you get all those, and increases recovery time from workouts. If uh, if you like all those things and you want all those things, check them out at feelgreatcleveland.com. Thank you again, Brian Zide and Affinity Whole Health. Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time, and I've got a phenomenally accomplished uh, guest today. I'm very pleased to have him on. Jim Shear. Jim, how are you? Uh, fantastic, Peter. Glad to glad to be with you today. Yes, we're really pleased to have you on. And uh, Jim, you're a bit of a contemporary of mine. Um, I believe you're you were born in the early '60s. Well, I was born in the late '50s, so uh, I do re- remember you quite well uh, as a young man. Uh, some of your accomplishments, but some of your accomplishments in later life or mid to later life is exactly what blood time encapsulates the transition between the coach and the athlete and what that athlete uh, learned from the coach and then taking it into the real world and expanding and expounding on it. So I'm really pleased to have you on here because I believe you're really the definition of blood time. How oh, fantastic. Well, thanks for the, the very kind words. And uh, yeah, it's been an interesting uh, journey from wrestling to uh, to my business and, and management. So, well, it's yeah. not it's not bragging if it's fact, and it's clearly fact with you. So uh, let's let's start. Uh, you know, obviously you you did a fa- fantastic uh, job in college with your brother over at University of Nebraska. But tell me a little bit about how how you started in the sport and some of the um, the primary people that really affected you as not only an athlete, but as a human being in the coaching ranks? Well, I started uh, in third grade. I, I, um, a couple of my older brothers had wrestled a bit, but, but mm-hmm. you know, weren't very serious wrestlers. Okay. Uh, I was going to be a basketball player. Bill, Bill came home mm-hmm. um, having been to a wrestling practice and, and started um, – uh, rubbing my face in the carpet in front of our, <laughs> our my father and grandfather, and I said, "Well, basketball is going to be out the window. I better, uh, better take up wrestling just for self-defense purposes." I love that. Um, and you guys are twins, right? You guys are twins, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Who's yeah, older? We were, Who's older? I am. I was born first. I'm a few minutes older. I was, okay. Uh, um, yeah, we were never very competitive, though. Oh, I got you. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh my God! I can only imagine the uh, brawls in the uh, 
the living room at the Shear family. But uh, so you started in third grade, and then uh, what? Uh, you know, was there somebody in uh, high school? You know, typically there's an assistant coach that really bonds with a wrestler. I, I really, as a you know, I, I, I've coached high school and college wrestling as a head coach. And I'm really big on bringing in great assistant coaches to bond with certain athletes and be that confidant and really that motivator. And um, I learned that as an assistant coach. Is there anybody that really uh, just, well, we, you know, hit you? We had a couple of people that were really, really influential in, in uh, uh, Bill and I's wrestling career. We had a neighbor, uh, mm-hmm. a, a guy named Gene Monfor, who's... Uh, one of his sons went to Nebraska and wrestled. That was a couple of years younger than Bill and I. Sure. Uh, but he followed us to Nebraska. But um, I was in about sixth grade, and he came over and said, hey, let's go running. And I was like, jogging? What the heck is jogging? Oh, that's um, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Pretty much, I remember yeah. when people started jogging. I'm like, what the hell is this stuff? It's ridiculous. Yeah, so <laughs> jogging, great. Yeah, yeah um, so funny. And I uh, went running with him pretty much every day for the next uh, um, six, five, six years until I was out of high school. And he's uh, it was a great guy. Sure. Huge influence, big booster of the wrestling program. Uh-huh. Um, had a big influence on us in terms of just thinking about success. Right. Uh, we had an assistant coach named Terry Binger who actually let me take his drive, his new car to prom my senior year. I love it. High school. Who was a who was a great guy. What kind of car uh, was it, Jim? It was a '78 Buick LeSabre. Nice. Um, Those are good. I had a, nice. I had a '70 GTL for my high school car, so I I feel oh, like that's right. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, uh, Terry was was a fantastic guy, really uh, involved and and uh, kind of a uh, just a, a guy who was close to the wrestlers and um, you know you, you knew that he cared about your results and, and cared about you and and was one of those you know big pieces of glue in the in the wrestling program. You know, I love that. Or, it was uh, you know I, I interviewed Gabe Dean and he talked about servant mentality and uh, I also inter- interviewed. I had a, a lot of uh, conversations with Lee Kemp regarding a, a, one of his uh, drill partners and just selflessness and, and that servant mentality. And I seems like I hear that from, from you regarding this assistant coach. Yeah, no, Terry was a fantastic guy. And then our head coach was a guy named Rod Boone. Mm-hmm. Um, still around, no longer coaching wrestling, but right. very um, young guy who was incredibly enthusiastic about the wrestling program. Sure. Wasn't um, you know an accomplished wrestler or, or technician, but he brought wrestling up to a level of importance mm-hmm. in the community that put it on a par with football and basketball and other, other sports in our high school. And uh, we created kind of a, a team atmosphere that became a dynasty Yes, um, in, in South Dakota for, for a number of years while he continued to coach. And we were kind of the front wave of that, but it was, it was a lot of fun being part of something that that he thought was incredibly important. And we had a whole group of kids that, that bought into that and came along. And I think we had 12 kids from my um, senior year mm-hmm. wrestling college somewhere. Wow. Um, which was a pretty, pretty amazing. That's incredible. For a, for a coach. What high school was it out of South Dakota? It was near Eureka, uh, correct? Mobridge High School. Okay. Okay. And the Mobridge Tigers. We ended up winning stayed and they wanted a couple of years following that in the next few years after. So 
Were you and uh, your brother recruited heavily by Nebraska, or how did that work for you? How did you end up in Nebraska? Well, we weren't recruited that heavily out of high school. Okay. I was a one-time South Dakota State champion, which is like um, a small right. state, not a right. not a huge accomplishment. Bill was a two-time state champion. No, uh, I know what you I know what you mean because yeah. you know I, I'm I'm obviously coaching in Northeast Ohio, and you know if you're a two-time state champ out of Ohio, it's a little different than. South Dakota, no, no disrespect yeah. to South Dakota, but I understand that. So, so you're not heavily recruited, but um, you do have some, you do have some talent. So, continue, please. Yeah, we ended up at Nebraska. Uh, okay. Coach Bob Fears was the his his first full year of coaching, his first full recruiting season. Right. And uh, and Bob Bob brought Bill and I in. Okay. Uh, along with about seemed like forty other recruits. Sure. I think there were six six incoming state champion and champions in wow. my weight class, as well as a couple of uh, upperclassmen who were who were still there. So it was a it was a uh, very competitive environment. And Bob was ambitious; he wanted to take Nebraska, which had scored, I think, a point or two points in the Big Eight tournament the year before. He got there to a um, I don't know, a power in, in national wrestling. Well, there's no doubt that yeah. they did that. That he did that, particularly during your your matriculation there. Yeah, they've ended up being you know pretty consistent top ten, top top fifteen team in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, it's it's been uh, uh, rewarding to be a part of, and, and uh, nice to see after we've we've left that there's still a, a strong uh, team. In fact, my um, college roommate and a great good friend from high school. Uh, Mark Manning from Vermilion, South Dakota, is still the the wrestling coach at Nebraska today. That's right. That's right. So tell me, you know, I, I want to explore a little bit uh, too, because obviously you and your brother both were national champs. Um, what was it like to drill all those years, or did you drill all those years with your brother? And what, what kind of what kind of cat fights are going on down there, man? It's, I mean, <laughs> well, it's just got to be. We it's were, just like mirror. Like what the heck? You know, it's crazy. Yeah, we were. I think we had, you know, basically a fist fight every day until our sophomore, <laughs> sophomore year in high school. I got it, and uh, that that helps, you know, make you tougher. Um, yeah. we, we were gives you a good chin. For, <laughs> yeah, wrestle for a while, and then fight for a while, and wrestle for a while. Right. But, right. Um, pretty much got over that um, through high school, except um, after that one memorable mo- uh, moment our senior year in high school when. We were wrestling our 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 biggest biggest rival, Redfield, South Dakota, and I. We went down in the locker room after warming up before the before the match. A couple of the lighter weight guys were were wrestling. Yeah, and uh, we ended up getting in a fight, and I I don't know, I'm foggy on all of, all of what transpired now, but I ended up flushing his wrestling shoe down the toilet. <laughs> um, That's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, so he wrestled with one wet shoe. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. You're like the Everly Brothers just before going out for a concert, uh, you know, with the fist fights. I love that. That's fantastic. Well, uh, Jim, I'm sure that uh, he helped you get great, and I'm sure you helped him get great. Um, and what was that like in college? What, uh, you know? Well, I don't think we would have been able to achieve what we did without having, you know, a built in workout partner. Sure. Uh, a built-in uh, motivator, mm-hmm. uh, but also somebody that you know I looked up to him. 
Yes. But at the same time, I wanted to be as good as him or better than him. Sure, sure. Um, and we always referred to it as, um, you know, competition within, harmony without. We were going to compete with each other mm-hmm. uh, and fight with each other as, as, you know, fiercely as we could. Yes. But as soon as we stepped out of the door, it was both of us against the world together. I like that. And that that was a great, great bond for us to have throughout our wrestling career. Well, that's a blood time moment there. And I had the opportunity and honor to co- to uh, interview uh, Tom and uh, Pat Milkovich. Um, oh, and, great you know, guy. Oh, phenomenal. I, I mean, just terrific brothers and family. I, I have had Mike uh, Jr. in my room this year teaching some moves and uh, had Jamie Milkovich, the head coach of Maple Heights, uh, their nephew, do a tribute in the in the event, in the um, interview, but both of them won a title uh, in the same year. Pat was a junior, I think a junior. Yeah. And uh, freshman state, uh, freshman national champion, uh, Pat. And it, it just was such a beautiful thing. I mean, they really didn't wrestle each other too much, uh, but the, uh, the competition, but also the, the, the cooperation and the support is just, uh, it's palpable. And I'm, I'm hearing that from you as well with your brother. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely familiar with their, you know, how they how they came up in the wrestling ranks, but obviously I've met them and their accomplishments are are phenomenal um, and, and great people. But yeah, we were we were absolutely uh, you know essential to each other's wrestling success. And then you guys um, won titles. Was it in '84? No, we both won in 1984 in the, the Battlelands of New Jersey. That's awesome. Um, which, which was fantastic because sure. we had, um, you know, our whole family there. Yep. Uh, both our immediate family and, and a lot of extended family. And so it became a, you know, just a, an incredible family event that, um, you know, is an enduring memory for us. Sure. In 88, you both make the Olympics, you and your brother and, uh, you get close, and your brother medals. So it had to be an incredible experience, I'm assuming. Well, just going to the Olympics was a culmination of you know, something we had worked for since since we were um, had watched the '72 Olympics on, I on know, TV. Right? Wow! Right? And mom let us stay up late and sure and watch the wrestling matches, and and uh, you know a couple of kids from a super small town in the middle of nowhere were were probably not good odds to make the Olympic team, but um, and we just continued to work until we actually did in 1980. We we're very fortunate to, to have a lot of help along the way, but um, phenomenal experience. Didn't turn out for me quite like I, I wanted, sure. which was a which was a difficult a difficult lesson. But um, you know, Bill ended up with a bronze medal. Yes, he did. I think he was capable of of, of winning a gold, but uh, you know, so from a competitive aspect, aspect neither of us ended up with what we wanted, but. It still was a, a, a phenomenal experience. Anytime you get to represent your country in the Olympic Games, it's it's, it's truly amazing. amazing. And, and at that level, it's just a it's just a hair, uh, just a minute thing that can separate one from five or one from three. It's just amazing at that level. Just a a, a quick little decision or uh, mistake, and boom, you you know you're not you're not that 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 first. So we understand that immensely but uh really respect you and your brother what you did and represented to and for us and i want to uh explore your business career uh com- pretty much committed to not only our sport to other sports 
at the executive level uh, and the, um, after the break. So, um, Jim, I'm going to take a quick little break and thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back, okay? All right. Thanks, Peter. All right. We'll be right back with Jim Shear after the break. I want to thank ServPro of Beachwood, our newest sponsor, and Jack Coslin, the owner. They serve all of Northeast Ohio, not just Beachwood. They specialize in disaster cleanup that leaves your home or office like new, like it never happened. Flood and water damage, fire, mold, and they say even blood and guts. Not just any ServPro. Seek out ServPro of Beachwood. That's ServPro Beachwood, Shaker Heights, Cleveland Heights.com, 216 416- 464-4498. Operated by a former All-State wrestler from Beachwood, we love Pro of Beachwood. Hey, have you ever wondered how the ultra-wealthy grow their real estate portfolio so fast and furious? Have you ever heard of the infinite banking concept? Learn how you can become your own bank and build out your own real estate portfolio like the pros, like the ultra-wealthy. Call Ed Knezovich or Ryan Miller at Next Level Continuing Education at 614-648-2440. Learn how to purchase investment real estate without spending a dollar of your own capital through Next Level Continuing Education. 614-648-2440. Liberty Home Mortgage Corporation for all your home mortgage needs. Reach out to them at libertyhomemortgage.org or call them at 440-665-7627. That's Liberty Home Mortgage. Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. We're back with Jim Shear talking about his illustrious career as a wrestler. Now I want to dive into... Uh, the transition to the executive director of USA Wrestling and the CEO of USOC for 10 years, as well as some of the other things that you're doing now in other sports. And Jim, how did that, uh, how did that transition occur? And, and who, if there was anybody that really uh, inspired you to take that lead as an executive director and uh, businessman in our uh, illustrious sport? Well, when we were in college, we- U.S. national coach, um, a guy named Stan Bezik, which, which I'm sure, oh, sure. you're familiar with. Oh, yeah. An incredible wrestler in his, his own right. Yes. Um, was a national team coach, but he was also um, getting his master's in business at the same time he was the national team coach okay. in Lincoln, Nebraska, which was the headquarters of the AAU. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Stan came in and worked out with us quite a bit, and um, he was he was pretty... Um, driven on, on transitioning from the sport to business. And just, I think it was a good example in terms of you know, keeping your options open and making sure you got a great education and, and was maybe one of the factors which led me to Northwestern and, and uh, um, Kellogg, the graduate business school at Northwestern. Ma- so magnificent. Yeah, magnificent school. I mean, literally the Ivy of the Midwest and that Kellogg is in ter- in terrific MBA program. Yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. Um, and so I went to went to Kellogg, and, and mm-hmm. uh, then I, I was I coached one more year to, to wrestle in the '88 Olympic Games, and then '89 came around, and I was incredibly um, 
upset that you yeah. wrestle well in the Olympics. And I wrestled in uh, six tournaments that year. The first five tournaments, I, I uh, won all five tournaments and was the uh, most outstanding wrestler in all five tournaments. Wow. Um, the Midlands and the National sure. Championship and then uh, three international events. Okay. Um, but then I uh, I ended up uh, second in the World Championships, losing in um, losing to uh, Hudartsev in the in the finals, one zero. But mm-hmm. I had beaten him in the '89 World Cup as well, so I won that tournament also. So great year in '89. Uh, looking for some change in 1990, I went to Phoenix to begin a job at a at a community bank there. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, I'll get a thank you career going and uh, coach at ASU and sure and be off and running in my business career. Um, well, USA Wrestling got a bit of financial difficulty, okay, and uh, organizational difficulty, and I was on the executive board of USA Wrestling, okay, and they um, called me up, the executive board, and said, "Well, we need you to." Um, we've asked our CEO to resign and we need you to come on board and <clears throat> take over the organization. And I said, well, I want to continue to wrestle for at least another year mm-hmm. and try and win a world championship. Mm-hmm. And um, so I said, I'll do it, but um, it can last no longer than six weeks. No. I've got to get back to my wrestling. Oh, yeah, that, that really worked out well, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, six weeks into it, I was working you know, 60 60, 70 hours a week and, right. and fully vested in uh, turning the organization around. As a true wrestler would, as a true wrestler would. So our work ethic is I not bad. Up, yep. Yeah, it ended up being a 10-year stint where we uh, sure. were able to take an organization that uh, essentially when I, the day I started had um, $6,000 in the bank and we were wow. $1.8 um, in arrears and short-term debt. Jeez. Um, and a two and a one point five million dollar annual budget to a organization that had a ten twelve million dollar annual budget, wow. uh, ten million dollars in surplus uh, when I left. Um, mm-hmm. And probably the thing I was most proud of is we had a very strong um, team of people running the, the organization and doing doing the majority of the work. My my all my reports and the, the staff we had built. Yes. And essentially all of those people, almost all of those people are still there working in some capacity. Um, and Rich Bender is the executive director. And, mm-hmm. and you know, 20 years later, since, since I've been gone from the organization, the, the leadership team is the same people that I've, I've, I've brought on board and, and, and put in place. So we created a very stable organization that's continued to be one of the most successful in, in the U.S. So very pleased with that. Magnificent legacy, Jim. And I, I got to tell you that I'm, I'm pleased because uh, about uh, 11 years ago with one of my former wrestlers that I coached at uh, Beachwood High School here in Northeast Ohio, uh, we created Wrestlers in Business Network. And so um, we do understand the, the brilliance of what you did in leadership and uh, legacy that you've left with the, the people that, you know, it's, it's about who you hire and who you bring in and and the kind of leadership and um, it, high kudos to you on that. That's fantastic. And 
and doing that, then it's led you to the current situation. What's what's happening in your world now with a different sport, my friend? And uh, I'd love to hear about it. What's going on? Well, interesting journey. So as you mentioned sure. earlier, I, I was a CEO at the Olympic Committee for uh, – actually, I was there as the chief of sport performance for three and the CEO at seven. Okay. Um, and I took over almost the same situation as USA Wrestling. They had organizational difficulties, financial difficulties, ethical issues going on. Okay. And the um, board asked me to take over. Okay. Um, and um, I said, I've got one one stipulation. I said, I've got full authority to, to hire and fire um, uh, anybody I um, wish on, on sure. staff. I've got full authority to make all decisions. Okay. And they hemmed and hawed around for a while. They came back and said, okay. I like that. Um, we essentially turned the organization around and, in less than 18 months, but the first 18 months we had very little board involvement because they were going through a governance reform process that we led at the staff level, which okay. we took the organization from a 120-some person board to a to an 11-person board. All right. Um, All right. We had lost 47 million the last four-year period, which was our business cycle. Wow. Um, we took an organization from 605 employees down to 387. Okay. Um, and ended up uh, putting more than 100 million dollars in bank. In the bank, our our first full year, uh, for a full four year cycle. That's uh, stunning. Only, that is stunning. Yeah, not Jim. only wow. Not only did we do that, we uh -huh. we had 16 years of declining performance at the Olympic level and in, in right. the Olympic Games from 84 down to uh, to 2000, and then um, I ran the sport performance program for the 2002 Winter Olympics, where we went from 13 medals to 34. Um, That's which great. Was the, which was an all-time high for the U.S. And then on the summer side, we had we had declined significantly. We put a stake in the ground of winning 100 medals in Athens, right? Uh, in 2004, which we did, and we won 103. And then we put a uh, same stake in the ground in, in Beijing, and then we increased. I think to 108 medals in Beijing. So um, we had incredible success financially and, and on the field of play. So that was a huge experience. And, and I ended up leaving in um, the USOC in 2009. Okay. Uh, became the first commissioner of the Collegiate Hockey Conference, but then, uh, which was an incredible experience. Sure. Great sport. Yes. Yes. As we talked off the air, I'm, I've got uh, a nice relationship uh, with Joe Batista, the a uh, gentleman who just retired as the head coach at Penn State. So uh, I do yeah, know great, that. Great program. Yes. Up and coming. Yes. <clears throat> and and um, wrestling then got removed from the Olympic program. And, uh, um, my brother arms. and I put together a, put together a committee internally with, with USA Wrestling called um, Committee to Preserve Olympic Wrestling. Right. And I uh, ended up... Um, um, working with the International Federation as, as well. Okay. And uh, we led the effort to get wrestling back in the Olympics. But since I was the only only person that had connection in the sport that had any connection to the leadership of the International Olympic Committee, I ended up traveling around the world lobbying on behalf of wrestling, which, yes. which didn't work with my day job as a commissioner of the National Collegiate Hockey Conference. So I ended up... Um, Having to resign from that role, they, they came to me and said, well, you've got a choice. You either yeah. work 
for wrestling or you work for us? And I said, well, <laughs> I love hockey. It's a great sport, guys, but wrestling was my sport. Yes. So I feel like I need to, to do this. And that resulted in uh, you know six months of, of working to get wrestling back in. And we were successful in the IOC session in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And wrestling got voted back on the program. Well, we are all very, very uh, pleased and uh, humbled by your your efforts. And what was the definitive moment, Jim, that turned the tide? What argument or plea or passion that created well, the, the decision to bring it back? Um, there have been a couple of books about this, but none, none really accurate as to what happened. Gotcha. Um, and this is a longer story, but the day sure. wrestling got voted off, the Olympics. I called a couple of IOC executive board members that I knew well. Mm -hmm. I called the IOC chief of staff, mm -hmm. who was speaking to me on behalf of the IOC president. Right. Um, and essentially, they they were not in favor of wrestling having been removed from the program, the leadership of the IOC. Okay. But the exec that wrestling had lost out in a political battle at the IOC executive board and had and voted as the one sport who was slated to be removed. Okay. There was another executive committee meeting of three months in, in front of that, and between the IOC leadership and the, the um, IOC exec board members that I knew, and my brother also met with a couple of them. Yes. We, we mapped out a strategy. If wrestling was able to um, undertake a few initiatives um, prior to the exec board meeting, okay, the exec board would put wrestling back in a pool of candidates to be the sport that replaced wrestling. <laughs> so it was kind That's of an artificial, artificial yeah. construct, right? Um, but it was the only way the exec board could save face and and make it happen. Okay. Um, one of those was removing the then International Federation president, which. Stan Desig very courageously was instrumental in doing so. Thanks. Thank you, Dan. Um, Thank you, Stan. At the uh, World Wrestling uh, FIU at the time, exec board level. Okay. It came down to one vote at the at the FIU Bureau. Mm -hmm. um, and Stan and, and the Russians being instrumental drivers in that change process. Okay. We then got Anad Lalovich, who turned out to be an exceptional leader in place. Um, changed a few of the, the key fundamental things that, um, in addition, they wanted us to do. Okay. Went to the exec board meeting. Lalovich and myself were the two presenters at the IOC executive board meeting. And we presented our changes and the path for the future. And the IOC exec board voted us into the pool of sports that would be considered in, in Argentina for, for the, um, um, addition to the games. So okay. That was the, the turning point. If we had not met that hurdle, it well would have all been over. Yes. Um, obviously, we got a lot of countries, including USA Wrestling and Russia and others, mm -hmm. to campaign and work positively and and do all the work leading into Argentina. But it was, uh, you know, it was one of those. Uh, you know, it wasn't life or death, but it was life or death for wrestling in the, in the Olympics. Yes. And so it takes on that magnitude of importance. Um, wow. the, the small wins and the big wins and the small losses were were huge uh, events along along that journey. But mm -hmm. an incredible outcome, and, and I'm glad to see the sport uh, prospering under 
and Nod Lalovich's leadership internationally and Rich Bender's leadership in the U.S. Well, while it's a imperfect solution, it's near perfect for us because uh, we have our sport back in the Olympics and incredibly important for all uh, levels of, of wrestling, particularly in our country, to have that Olympic gold as a ultimate prize. So um, our hats are off to you, Jim and, and your brother and Stan and all those that were uh, instrumental in getting that done. And we thank you so much. Well, thank you. There's a lot of, a lot of people once we got that initial push that oh, I'm sure. were really critical, but, yes. but yeah, it was, uh, it was really rewarding to be a part of that. So, um, and then I, I was traveling around internationally and, and mm-hmm. uh, ended up becoming uh, with, connected with some, some individuals who uh, recommended me as the CEO for the first European Games, which was an Olympic-style competition for the continent of Europe, a multi-sport event. Right. Um, ended up uh, <clears throat> having those games in Baku, Azerbaijan. I was the first CEO, first international employee. We built a team of 400 brought uh, that event to Azerbaijan and okay. a couple couple billion dollar budget. Wow. Ended up having a having a having an event in two thousand fifteen. Yes. I, um, I had a short stint after that helping out a friend at the National Wheelchair Basketball Association when the opportunity to become the first chief executive officer of the International Lacrosse Federation came up. Lacrosse. I was not that familiar with the sport. I played it. I had sure. um, watched it a lot. But it was a uh, uh, what I knew of the sport and its prospects and the growth in North America over the prior uh, 20 years before I took it over was all incredibly positive. And, and I, uh, I um, took that took that job and, and I've been there almost four years. We've um, gone from you know, basically $150,000 a year budget sure. to, to, and one, myself as the only staff person, to um, now a three and a half million dollar annual budget, still small, but sure. growing for us with well with nine staff members, and, and we are we have a goal of hopefully being included in the Los Angeles Olympics, and we're we're trying to progress down that path, and we made a lot of progress, and it's it's been a um, just a really incredible experience the, the past uh, four years for me to get to know the lacrosse community. Yes, the, in the United States, it's exploding. It's the lax is exploding, and we here in Northeast Ohio um, have the uh, the guy, you know, the the hero of our Cleveland Browns, Jim Brown, who primarily changed the sports rules back in the day when he was playing. <laughs> yeah, the the cradle rule is the Jim Brown yep, rule. The Jim Brown yeah. rule. He would have scored a million points if they didn't change that rule. <laughs> uh, he probably yeah. did, you know. But uh, still, it's, it's amazing. Still sort of. In- a bit involved in the sport in terms of promoting it and, sure. and the values of the sport. Obviously, an incredible uh, player in lacrosse and yes. one of the best athletes of all time. Of all sport. time. I mean, what an amazing, uh, amazing. Yeah. I mean, when you see some of those films, it's just incredible. But uh, yeah. An amazing human being. And he is. And record in, in he is. the civil rights movement. And Absolutely. So, yeah, one of the great legacies of sport. And Ohio State now has a, has a great collegiate program. So, yeah, yep. it's really... Well, well, Chagrin Falls High School, where I coach as the wrestling team, uh, they are the defending 
boys and I think runner up and girls in 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 lacrosse in Division Two. So great. yeah, they've got a great program, and actually it hurt my program a little bit with Jim. Uh, it's an, an illustrious career that you've had and continue to have, and we're really pleased and and blessed to have you on uh, Blood Time. And um, I, I would love to talk to you for uh, many more many more uh, minutes or hours, but uh, we. Uh, we typically want to uh, end our interview with basically a, a question or a, a request from our guests to, during this time of the virus, to give our audience a, a, a word or two of courage and encouragement moving forward. Well, let me first say that thank you for all you do for the sport. Thank uh, you. Not only the, the young men you've molded in your, your coaching career, but founding the Wrestlers and Business Network and making that connection because I, I do think the values you learn in wrestling are are very critical to success in business. Thank you. And uh, and that drive you learn as a wrestler and your mental resilience and toughness. But you know, those same qualities are the qualities that help an individual, a family, or our country get through this pandemic. Yes. Um, the ability to persevere, ability to, to um, you know, keep going and the ability to have have hope. And I think the greatest thing that wrestling teaches you is, um, you know, you can get better. Um, and like, you know, my greatest saying always to my kids is, hey, you know, tomorrow's gonna be better than today. Right. And they look at me funny and I'm like, yeah. why? I'm like, well, cause I'm gonna be better tomorrow than awesome. I look for today. today. Cause I'm gonna learn from my mistakes today. I'm gonna learn from my successes today. I'm gonna apply those tomorrow and I'm gonna be better. Because I want to be better tomorrow. And I have the hope and belief that tomorrow can be better than today. And I think that's one thing to keep in mind for all of us. It may be a while, but we're going to get through this. We do those things to work together to get through this. And tomorrow will be better than today. And so faith, the conviction of things unseen, hope, the belief that tomorrow is better than today, and we'll get through this pandemic as a, as a country. And we need to pull together as a people, you know, these things that are divided us politically. Yes. And those things are, are minor in terms of what we should be doing as a people to, to, to come together and to work together regardless of our ideological differences. Beautiful words, uh, Jim. And, and tomorrow will be a better day. I really love that philosophy because we're going to be better tomorrow, learning from our both our successes and failures of today. Excellent words. Jim, you've been a phenomenal guest. Uh, terrific uh, career. Continue, please. We need your leadership, uh, your philosophy, and uh, uh, you're just the love of humanity. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate the opportunity with you today. Yes, stay healthy, be well, stay strong. Continue with lax, continue with wrestling, and uh, we love the Shear family. God bless. Right. Take care. This is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. We are all blood. Love to all. Defense Soap at DefenseSoap.com In the midst of our current health crisis, we at Blood Time want to thank Guy and Gus Seiko and the team at Defense Soap as a beacon of our protection. Body wipes, skin cleansers, bars of soap, shower gels, and disinfectant tablets. All this and more as Defense Soap is on the front line of our protection. Thanks to the Seiko family and their team at Defense Soap. Check them out for all your protection needs during these precarious times.
Defense Soap at DefenseSoap.com. This is Coach Cimarroni. I trust you are well and about to emerge after this most challenging of years. In all that we have collectively been through, we can still find that silver lining. That said, it is my pleasure and honor to announce a rekindling and reconnection to my long-time and good friends at the Montrose Auto Group. Mike Thompson, Chris Mills, and the incredible staff at Montrose Westside have afforded me and Razor, my company, an opportunity to present the outstanding lineup of high-quality vehicles in their stable. Jaguars, Range Rovers, Volvos, and a bevy of high-quality pre-owned vehicles are at our and your disposal. I look forward to being of service to you and your family, friends, company, and associates at your request and direction. Let's get together soon to discover how we may be a solution to your driving requirements and desires. Thanks so much and talk soon. This is Coach Cimarroni for the Montrose Auto Group's West Side Store. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see, they've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Jo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashion You. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. <laughs>